0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of Saint Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 as we explore biblical prophecy. Today we're looking at understanding dispensationalism. We're kind of having a mini series here. And why are we doing that? Well, first of all, what is dispensationalism? As we said, it's the theory that's foundational to the rapture theory. The rapture at any moment theory is dependent upon a school of thought called dispensationalism. A dispensation is a time period. Dispensationalism makes time periods in redemptive history from the Old Testament through the New Testament, um, including the book of Revelation until the new heavens and new earth, very distinct time patterns. And one of the distinctions that's made within dispensationalism is a radical separation of Israel and the church, and this is just in a nutshell summary of what it teaches according to dispensationalism, now is the time of the church, and once the church or the true church is raptured away into heaven, then there will be on earth a terrible seven-year tribulation followed by the second coming of Jesus, and then after that, things revert back to the nation and land of Israel with the kingdom reign of Jesus, the Messiah, ruling the earth from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. I took my breath away, and I realize that's a lot of stuff, but that's dispensationalism in a nutshell. And what I really want you to, to, to grasp is that what we call – and actually they call the millennium, they're viewing, you know, after a rapture of the true church away from the earth, after a horrible seven-year tribulation, after the second coming of Jesus, then they believe a millennium will begin, which focuses on Israel, hence the distinction between the church and Israel. Now, according to other Protestant groups, the Catholic Church, and the Orthodox Church, now is the time of the millennium. There's a present millennium, not in the future, not after the rapture, not after the second coming of Jesus, not after a seven-year tribulation. It's right now, and we could call this a present millennium, a present kingdom, or the present messianic reign of jesus but simply what dispensationalists see as the future catholic orthodox and some protestants see as the present age why would we do this well just for starters how about matthew 4 17 (laughs) the first things out of jesus's mouth is preaching it says from that time jesus began to preach saying repent For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or jump ahead a little bit to Matthew 12, verse 28. If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here's one of the more important questions about biblical prophecy that you'll find in the entire New Testament. It's in the first chapter of Acts, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they had come together, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And remember, kingdom reign, messianic reign, is what we're talking about, the millennial reign of Jesus. Is this some distant future, or is it a present reality that begins with Pentecost? Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but, verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, they were thinking of a restoration of a kingdom like Old Testament Israel or what we consider the Holy Land today. And Jesus, by his answer, is expanding their vision for what the Messianic kingdom would be. It says you're going to start in Jerusalem, you're going to to Judea, Samaria, and then you're going to go to the ends of the earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to do this. And actually, this is the supreme Jewish promise that God, it says in Genesis 12 to Abraham in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you I will curse, and by you all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So right after this important question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, well, it's going to be just a little bit bigger than what you had in mind. It's going to be the whole world. But then it says in verse 9, and when he had said this, as they were looking on, this is Continuing the the very time they're together, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Well, you might say, well, where did he go? And just imagine we're a film crew, and so, you know, shot one would be the filming of Jesus ascending to heaven in a cloud, but everybody's wanting to know, well, where does he go? So then we take a second shot from heaven, and from that shot, we look Or for that shot, we look at Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and to him was given dominion, this is a kingly term, and glory and kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. The millennium, the reign of the Messiah, the worldwide rule of the Messiah, began right here on Ascension, kind of like I, I wish Ascension, which is on a Thursday, was still given great recognition, should be about 20,000 times more important than July 4th, and that's not saying July 4th isn't important, but ascension is very important. And the idea is, this is the Messianic kingdom. So Acts begins with this question about the kingdom, and then you see the disciples going out and spreading the gospel. For instance, in the middle of Acts, We find this, this is great, Acts 17, 6. And these men who have turned the world upside down have come here, and they're acting against the decrees of Caesar. Caesar thought he was king of the world, saying that there is another king, Jesus inherent in the gospel proclamation is the rule of Christ. This isn't something that's going to begin in a future age. This began with the ascension of Christ into heaven. And then you find at the very end, very, very, very end of Acts, uh, St. Paul's in Rome, the capital of the known world. And what's he doing? It says in Acts 28, 31, what's he doing? He's preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, quite openly and unhindered. Now, (laughs) only God would come up like a plan like this. Okay, Jesus is now king of the world. With his ascension, he is formally installed as the messianic king of the world. This is everything that the Jewish promises had been waiting for. And so, obviously, if he is going to exercise his reign, there's naturally going to become a conflict between a man named Caesar, who thinks he's still the king of the world, and the son of man, Jesus Christ, who has now been formally installed as the king of the world. Now, God doesn't need armies and all this type of thing to establish his reign. He has a man who actually uh, was quite strongly in opposition to the message of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about St. Paul. He becomes the mouthpiece for spreading the gospel amongst the known world. This is—St. Paul was so critical in getting that gospel out— Outside, when it moves out, he goes. He goes nonstop, endured all kinds of things. But he comes into the Capitol, not in a limousine and flying in on Air Force One and all that type of thing. No, he comes as a prisoner. And in the meantime, he had been shipwrecked and everything else on the way. And here he is, he's locked up by the Praetorian Guard. And what's the Praetorian Guard? Praetorian Guard were the guards... Uh, adjacent to or part of the Capitol complex. It was Caesar's complex. Caesar's guards. And very interesting. Uh, you know, it's all it's not humorous, but in a way, the <laughs> way God does things, you know, to establish his kingdom, you you have to actually read Philippians, uh, both chapter one and chapter four. St. Paul is now a prisoner in Rome, in the capital of the world, in Caesar's precinct, so to speak, guarded by Caesar's guards. And St. Paul writes this in the first chapter of Philippians, verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me, imprisoned, persecuted, shipwrecked as a prisoner in Rome, has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole praetorian guard, that's the imperial guard of Caesar, and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And it says in Acts 28 that day and night St. Paul was taking visitors, and what was he talking about? He was talking about the kingdom of God. And he wasn't talking about some future millennium after a rapture, tribulation, second coming, and everything else in some distant future. He was talking about something now. He had encountered the risen Christ. He knew what Daniel 7 was saying. He knew what Jesus was saying to the disciples, even though he wasn't one at the time. And so he's talking about the kingdom of God day and night in Caesar's precincts. And then you have this at the very end of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, just like there's all kinds of employees running around the White House and the Capitol building and everything else, well, you can imagine some guard... (laughs) <laughs> watching Paul, you know, on his shifts for several weeks, and he comes home and he said, honey, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe this guy we have locked up. He keeps talking about a new king of the world named Jesus and that he forgives sins and he's establishing a kingdom on earth where there's going to be justice and everything else, and it's just changing people's lives. And all the saints greet you especially those of Caesar's household. The gospel had penetrated the precincts of the king of the world by the new king of the world. The millennium is a present millennium, not something by and by. So I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 332 of Luke 21, but there's a whole lot more to come regarding understanding Israel and God's promises to them. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.